You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loud Mouths with me and Speedy Petey every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Find all our local listings, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. All you Islander fans, I hope you enjoyed the Washington Capitals and Islanders game. Speedy, how are you? I'm doing all right. A shout-out to our soldiers. Salute to service this Veterans Day. All the branches of the military, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, everyone that has served our country, fought for our freedoms. Absolutely. We salute you. My grandfather was a veteran. He served in Korea. Your yes. grandfather, I know, was a veteran as yep. well. So salute to everybody that served in the military on this Veterans Day. It is a wonderful day. It's been crazy in the world. What's going on in Ukraine with the Russians and then in Israel with the Hamas. So there's so much going on in the world and people forget we're free and we have our lives and we're safe. And that has a lot to do with all the soldiers that support us and all the soldiers that protect us. So shout out to all the veterans, all the soldiers that are right now fighting for our safety and fighting for our freedom. We have a great show lined up for you guys. A little bit later in the show, we will be talking to an old friend who's been on the show before, former Nets, Knicks, and Raptors point guard, Chris Child. We're very excited to have him on the show again. Is Zach Wilson the worst quarterback in Jets history? The answer, absolutely. We will get into that. The Jets were very interested in trading for Devontae Adams at the trade deadline. Joe Douglas reached out to the Raiders before they fired their coach and their GM. And then right after they said no, they fired their GM and their coach. Very nice. The Giants are very likely to pursue a quarterback at the draft because of Daniel Jones's torn ACL. And our three for all picks of the week. Brian Cashman has a tirade at reporters at the GM meetings. Oh man, that was funny. I have not seen Brian Cashman act like that in his whole career. He's been with the Yankees for over 30 years. Have we ever seen Brian Cashman act like that? It's crazy. Mets hire Yankees bench coach Carlos Mendoza as their next manager. Craig Council leaves the Brewers and signs the largest contract as a manager in Major League history. He signs with the Chicago Cubs, a division of craziness next year. The Big Ten suspends Jim Harbaugh for the rest of the regular season. So if they make the playoffs, he's still going to be coaching which is interesting. What do they do if they win the national championship? That's an interesting question. Moneyline Mania with Chaz and Papoose Paulo. And he's Papoosing as he was 24-0 and with all his picks throughout the week. It's unbelievable what this guy does. He is fantastic. You like to place bets. You should be listening to this segment every single week. And let's get into it! Is Zach Wilson the worst quarterback in New York Jets history. Absolutely. Oh my God. If I have ever heard more about a football game, it was on Monday Night Football. Could you imagine shutting down one of the best young quarterbacks? He's been in the NFL four years. He's never had a worse game and they still lost 27 to 6. I wonder why. Is it Zach? There was a quarterback that knows Zach Wilson a little bit too well because he was a BYU quarterback and Taysom Hill came out and said, I hope 
hope Zach figures it out. I'm playing three positions on one team, and I know how to play quarterback. If you're getting attacked by Taysom Hill, there is a problem here for the New York Jets. Zach Wilson. I'm not going to hold back on him at all now. First of all, Robert Sala. For a coach, if you read his lips, every single time Zach Wilson was running backwards, you can see his lips say, why didn't he throw it away? And that has to do with coaching for three years. Watching bad quarterback after bad quarterback. Last year, the Jets played four starting quarterbacks last year. And the Jets, they threw more interceptions than touchdowns. This year, Zach Wilson took over for Aaron Rodgers after four plays. And now he's trying to make a miraculous comeback. He wants to be back in December if the Jets are a playoff contending team. We have watched over the last three weeks, not only some of the worst quarterback play, but one of the dumbest quarterbacks in NFL history. I don't want to hear about the Jets beating the Eagles because the Eagles did everything to give that game away to the New York Jets. The last three games for the New York Jets, and they've won two out of the three of those games. It has been the sloppiest games I have ever seen in back-to-back-to-back NFL history of games. And that has a lot to do with the young quarterback. A young quarterback that moves inside and out of the pocket. He calls audibles at the line of scrimmage and then obviously gets penalty after penalty. Dropping and fumbling the ball, throwing the ball away, stepping outside of the pocket, running backwards, getting sacked, losing 15, 20 yards every single time he runs backwards. Well, he's growing as a quarterback, as the coaches would come out and say. Joe Douglas has come out and say, saying that we see some potential in Zach Wilson. When you watch a quarterback run backwards six times a game and get sacked, and that has a lot to do with the offensive line. There is some deficiencies of what this offense has shown over the last couple of weeks. How could you sell me when you look at the yards loss to the yards gained by a guy like Zach Wilson? The game against the Chargers, he lost 110 yards by running backwards. Zach Wilson was 33 for 49, 263 yards. So if you take that away, he had 153 yards. It was despicable, and nobody can make an excuse for this team and this offense anymore. And I don't want to hear it from Robert Salah. Where is the future to this team? You have a 40-year-old quarterback coming off an Achilles injury who wants to come back in December. He will play next year and maybe the year after. You still have to pay him at least between 40 and 50 million dollars a year. You have all this young talent. You have Johnson and you have Sauce and you have Michael Carter and you have Brees Hall and you have Garrett Wilson. You can't pay all of them. And Zach Wilson is making 11 million a year as a backup quarterback, as a rookie quarterback. As a Jet fan, I want to throw up. I don't want to hear about Robert Soller making excuses for this kid anymore. I don't want to hear Nathaniel Hackett. I don't want to hear Zach Wilson go out. We have a lot to clean up. No, you have a lot to clean up. You are the worst quarterback in the NFL. By far, you are the worst quarterback in history for the New York Jets. In the 54 years the Jets haven't won a Super Bowl, you are the worst of every single quarterback that was ever drafted by this organization. You were absolutely disgraceful on Monday Night Football in front of every single fan, and you say, we have a lot of work to do. There is no work. There is no cleaning up your garbage. There is no cleaning up your footwork. There is no cleaning up your throws. Last week with the New York Giants, every fan out there was saying, well, it was raining. It was wet out. Tommy DeVito. He didn't have a good game. I would rather Tommy DeVito as my starting quarterback right now than Zach Wilson. It's crazy to say that. And everybody looks at his numbers. 33 for 49. It's not that bad. Oh, he didn't 
throw any interceptions. How many touchdowns has he thrown? Five. He has thrown three touchdowns in the last three games. The New York Giants is one of the worst offensive teams right now in the NFL. You could only square up 13 points against. I don't want to talk about Zach Wilson anymore as he's the future if he comes back. The Jets cannot bring him back next year. They have to go into the draft this coming year either either in the first round if you are going to keep that pick and you're not going to trade for Devontae Adams or in the third round or the fourth round. You cannot go into the offseason expecting Zach Wilson to be your backup because if you do it again next year and you lose Aaron Rodgers to a torn ACL or he tears his Achilles again or he hurts his collarbone or he breaks his balls, you cannot sell me Zach Wilson again. And if somehow this team doesn't win any more games or wins one or two games for the rest of the season, Robert Sala has to go. You're going to have to bring Nathaniel Hackett back because Aaron Rodgers is going to demand it. But you do not have to bring Robert Sala back. I cannot say that Robert Sala is the future of this team. He is not. I have seen enough. Robert Salah has done nothing that will show me that this man knows what he is doing or actually understands what his team is all about. This team is a great defensive, but it's not because of him. How many times have we seen Robert Salah look at his play calling? Have we seen it once in the last couple of weeks? He has sat there with his nice dark beard, standing there, pretty boy himself, standing there, screaming at the referees, cursing on the sidelines, and not doing anything to his quarterback. How could you put your quarterback in in the second half when your quarterback looked like crap? He was garbage. You have Garrett Wilson, one of the more prolific, talented wide receivers we've seen the Jets have ever had. He hasn't had the ball thrown to him more than six times in the last three weeks. Even last year, the Jets would make the playoffs if they had Case Keenum or other random backup quarterback that just is serviceable enough. Any one of those guys would have gotten the Jets into the playoffs last year and should get them in the playoffs this year because we've seen the Jets do some good things defensively. We've seen the Jets do well in close games. It's not because of Zach Wilson's. It's because of their defense. Receivers being clutch enough. And it's interesting because Robert Sala was on the 49ers when the 49ers had a lot of quarterback injuries, a lot a lot of quarterback carousels. We've seen them go from Nick Mullins to CJ Beathard trading for Jimmy G's and then he gets hurt and now the whole Trey Lance saga. You would think come from a, a team that says, we know when it's time to switch a quarterback. You thought he would be able to evolve to do that but that hasn't been the case this year either and the Jets should have gone after a third quarterback that wasn't Tim Boyle just because Tim Boyle was just on the Packers. There's enough teams getting veteran quarterbacks to make the trade earlier than expected when these quarterback injuries go down. And there's a lot of quarterback injuries Carlson this year. Wentz was available. It goes to the Rams. You had a chance to bring in Carlson Wentz. Carlson Wentz's agent reached out to you. Matt Ryan's agent, he's sitting right now in a press box, reached out to you after Aaron Rodgers got hurt and said that I'll come out of retirement. Bring me in. And he said no because he thought that Zach Wilson was good enough to take this team until Aaron Rodgers came back December or January when they would be maybe a borderline playoff team. Zach Wilson is honestly the worst quarterback I've ever seen. I have stuck up for him long enough. I cannot stick up for him anymore. I can't sell that Zach Wilson is going to figure it out. The guy's got tremendous talent. I think he's got everything that Patrick Mahomes has, maybe even more, as far as all-around talent, but we'll never know because the kid has his head so far up his ass. He's never going to figure it out. He is garbage. He belongs in the garbage, and if anything, he's more of a cabbage patch kid. He's a pretty boy that sleeps with moms. I believe Zach Wilson will go down as the worst statistic quarterback we have ever seen in NFL history. ESPN reported that the Jets were inquiring about Devontae Adams at the trade deadline, but Raiders would not trade him. Joe Douglas was reportedly still all in on contending this season, even with Aaron Rodgers injured. Adams has been frustrated with his role over there with the Raiders, and previously frustrated with Josh McDaniels and Ziegler, who were both fired. Adams also said it was time for the Raiders to make some sort of change. The Jets were also rumored to be 
interested in Mike Evans, but the Buccaneers did not want to trade him. Adams has three more years left on his current contract, but does have an opt-out after 2024. Adams has a cap hit of $25.35 million next year, and then $44.1 million each of the next two years. Devontae Adams will not be a Raider next year. It don't matter who the head coach is. Now, I don't know how the Jets are going to fit this in when it comes to the cap. They're going to have to give Elijah Vera Tucker an extension one way or another. Are they bringing Makai Becton back? Are they going to give him the franchise tag? They are scheduled to pay Aaron Rodgers $55 million next year. Now, Rodgers can fix that contract, cut it down to 32 and extend it, where they can fit a guy like Devontae Adams in. He would love to bring Devontae Adams. Could you imagine Devontae Adams on one side and Garrett Wilson? Garrett Wilson's getting double teamed every single game. They cannot give him the ball, maybe because Zach Wilson stinks. But I'm not surprised Joe Douglas reached out to the Raiders because they know they're in a shambles. I think Joe Douglas knew McDaniels was on his way out. He he knows because Devontae Adams speaks to Aaron Rodgers every single day because they're buddies that he wants to play with Aaron Rodgers. And I believe Devontae Adams is going to force his way out to the New York Jets. Now the question is, are the Jets willing to give up their first round draft pick this year to land a Devontae Adams? Because they're going to have to give up at least one first round draft pick to bring in one of the top five wide receivers in all of football. Now, I could see the Jets negotiating something where they won't have to give it up, but they don't have a second round draft pick this coming year because that does go to Green Bay. Now they can trade out of that first pick and try to extend as many picks as they can for that first round pick, try to maneuver the picks to get a Devontae Adams and not have to give up a first. It makes a lot of sense on why Aaron Rodgers coming back next year and Devontae Adams going there. The Jets need another wide receiver. Lazard has really been a bust for the Jets. He has not been good. He's dropped the ball a significant amount of times this year. Maybe because Zach Wilson doesn't know how to spiral the ball or Zach Wilson sucks or maybe Nathaniel Hackett doesn't know how to run an offense anymore or maybe he only knows how to run an offense with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, a.k.a. Matt LaFleur. But Devontae Adams only wanted to come and play with Derek Carr because it's his buddy. He only wanted to leave Aaron Rodgers to play with Derek Carr. One year, he barely finished the season. He was dropped by Josh McDaniels, not even on that roster or on the sidelines the last two games. They let him go and he goes to the Saints. Has he played well with the Saints? No. But nevertheless, you look at where Devontae Adams is in his career. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He didn't win a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. And the only player that he knows, the only team as far as the offense is concerned that he knows is Nathaniel Hackett. And you bring him in, you have Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, Cobb, and you have Aaron Rodgers. You have the new and improved Green Bay Packers. It's interesting because Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, I definitely think they would both try to restructure to make it work for them to come together. Now, Joe Douglas, the types of trades he's made, he's tried to be very stubborn. That's going to be interesting to see how much competition there would be if Devontae Adams becomes available because Devontae Adams has vented out his frustrations about the Raiders organization with McDaniels and Dave Ziegler but he also did say that he likes the city and he likes the ownership. All about winning to this guy. This guy's going to make his money. He's made his money. Aaron Rodgers wants to win one more Super Bowl. He's only going to be compared to the greats if he wins another Super Bowl and he knows he has the best chance if he has Garrett Wilson on one side and Devontae Adams on the other and Mm -hmm. he has a great running back in Brees Hall. Now the offensive line there's a lot of questions but they can add some more offensive linemen from that Packer offensive line. Yeah, if even Bakhtiari can actually stay healthy more than one game the last three years. That's where Bakhtiari is going next year. Of He's going to sign a small contract to go and play with the Jets because he gets to play with his boy, Aaron Rodgers. This is the new and improved Green Bay Packers. And Robert Sala will stay there, even though I don't think Robert Sala is the guy because I think Robert Sala has weighed out his welcome. I do not want Robert Sala here anymore. I think he's a bust. I don't think he's a good coach. I can't sell the Jets anymore. I think the Jets are going to lose probably the majority of the rest of this season because I think Zach Wilson is a bust. Garrett Wilson down the road will get a big contract. Devontae Adams has one now. And the mindset is you're going to have to pay wide receivers and then build
build up the rest of the depth of your offense from there. And Garrett Wilson will be eligible for that kind of contract in two years. So will the Jets be able to pay him and to be able to take on a $41 million cap hit from Devontae Adams if Devontae Adams tries to restructure for next year too? Well, they could franchise him and Sauce Garner will be something that they're definitely going to have to look at this offseason. I would extend Sauce first. If you're going to bring Devontae Adams in, I think you get rid of Lincoln Tomlinson. Even though he's had a decent season, he's an injury-prone player that hasn't been the player that we thought he was going to be. You could draft an offensive lineman, a guard sometime in the draft this year, or you bring a free agent. You're going to get rid of Carl Lawson. You're going to give Huff the extension, but Huff's not going to be getting $20 million. He is one of the better pass rushers in the league. He's going to get $15 million. They're going to give him a Carl Lawson type of deal. McGovern will be gone. You have Titman now. You could move Mekhi Becton, let him go, or you extend him and you give him like a $5, 6000000 million contract. Even though Mekhi Becton's had a better year, you don't know what you're going to get out of Mekhi Becton with those knee injuries. Dalvin Cook will be gone at $7 million. They could talk to DJ Reed and tell DJ Reed, you want to stay here, we're going to have to maneuver your contract. Alan Lazard, if he wants Devontae Adams there, he might have to take less. I think the Jets will figure it out. I think Joe Douglas can find a way to add players. I'm questioning, you bring in Devontae Adams, is that the missing piece that's going to help them win? That offensive line has not been as good as we thought it was going to be this year. That's the risk that the Jets are going to have to make, paying a guy at a premier position right away when you still have a lot of question marks with the rest of your offense. Now, with the way the Jets' defense is played, I don't think they have to really worry about that because every level of the Jets' defense outside of their run defense in certain games is played phenomenally. Their best secondary in football, their edge rushing depth has been really good, even with loss and hurt. The Jets are going to lose Michael Carter. He is going to expect a big contract. He's a slot guy right now, but he could be a number one, number two. Michael Carter's going to be making probably between 14 and 15. Still, again, this year, a top 15 type of corner. I don't think they're going to be able to afford those type of players. It's not going to be enough where you're going to be able to keep DJ Reed, pay Sauce Garner, and then pay Michael Carter. It doesn't make sense, especially if you plan to bring in Devontae Adams. But the Jets have a lot of leeway where they can just go all in on the offense. DJ Reed, I guess, could be a wild card, but the rest of the players are all pretty stable in place, and they have a lot of good young depth now with the pass rush. That system has definitely worked. I think Jeff Olberg, who I was critical of last year, has done a lot better job this year with the defensive line management. They're not getting exposed as badly against tight ends. The running backs, I think, are still a little bit of an issue, but that's going to come with a four-man rush. It gives them leeway to go all in the offense. The approach that worries me is if they do go all in for Devontae Adams, who's making all this money, and they're not able to restructure it the same way, are they going to be able to either have a scheme to work around the offensive line weaknesses, or are they going to get some gems in the draft or free agency? Fox Sports' Ralph Vacchiano reports that because Daniel Jones' is ACL injury, the Giants are very likely to draft a quarterback if they have a top-four pick in 2024 NFL Draft. He also mentioned all of Daniel Jones' guaranteed $81 million will be paid after next season, and the Giants paying him $36 million guaranteed next season will still be affordable. The Giants can get out of the contract after 2024 with a dead cap hit of $22.2 million. If the Giants don't opt out of the contract, they would try to trade him. However, he has cap hits of $41 and $58 million in the final two years of his contract. Jones has played in just six games this season after missing three games with a neck injury and now tearing his ACL. No matter what happens, even if they draft at six or seven, they are drafting a quarterback. There is no way they're not drafting a quarterback when there's about four quarterbacks that everybody keeps talking about. They have two really good wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. could be drafted at three or four. Then they have the offensive lineman from Penn State. And they have Notre Dame one. Ult is really good. Yes. I don't know if a quarterback is going to be drafted at one, two, and three. Or even four. I do believe the first two picks will be quarterbacks. Unless the Bears, who have the Carolina Panthers pick, go one and two. Or Arizona sticks with Kyler Murray. I don't think they're going. I don't think so either, but it's always a wild card. There'll be 
be teams interested in Kyler Murray in the offseason. You might not have to give up a first-round draft pick. You definitely won't know what the amount he's getting paid. But if he shows up and he actually plays well for the rest of the season, that could be different. I do believe that the Giants will be drafting a quarterback, no matter where they draft from one to seven. Where the Giants are at right now, with Tommy DeVito as their number one guy, you would honestly believe that the Giants are going to do everything they can to blow every single game for the rest of the season. They blew the one against the Jets. I don't think it was a coincidence. It felt like the Giants gave away that game. Dable looks like his head's going to fall off. This team is not good. They did make a really good trade for Leonard Williams. They got a second and a fifth. It'll be a late second round pick because Seattle's going to be a playoff team, but you still got a second round draft pick for Leonard Williams. You look at the Giants in the position that they're in right now. They have nothing. They have a good tackle. It looks like they have a good rookie center. Everything else on that offensive line is horrible. Evan Neal will probably be gone at the end of the season. Saquon Barkley could be brought back. They could franchise him or they could extend him. They'll probably franchise him and trade him and get something back for him. Maybe a third round draft pick because it looks like Joe Shane wants to rebuild this team the way he likes it. The problem is Joe Shane has been there two years. He hasn't drafted very, very well. This could be a very important offseason for him because if he doesn't bring in the right free agents and he doesn't draft right and he doesn't draft the right quarterback, he could be out looking for a new job at the end of the season. Yeah, Joe Shane's first round and earlier picks be an issue for him. He's actually done well with some of his day three picks. They've gotten a lot of good defensive players later in the draft, but Evan Neal's going to be maybe the worst bust in Giants history at the rate he's playing. Well, there's a lot of them. As much as I like to make fun of Eric Flowers and Eli Apple, Evan Neal was worse. <laughs> Eric Flowers actually played well his first two years. Ralph Vacchiano, a guy that's very well respected around Fox Sports and the NFL, him coming out with this story only tells you that he has an inside source. And the inside source told him that the Giants, even with Daniel Jones possibly coming back sometime next year, he probably will miss the beginning of the season. He missed six games. It usually takes for an ACL tear, especially for a quarterback, 12 to 13 months. Daniel Jones being more of a mobile quarterback than a throwing quarterback, it's going to take him a significant amount of time to heal. Is bringing in a quarterback in the draft the right move for the New York Giants for rebuilding this team from top to bottom? I don't know. They have to be absolutely right about this quarterback. Knicks, May, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is going to be the predominant number one pick. But if the Giants lose out of the season, and let's say the Bears and Arizona and Carolina start to win, the Giants could have the number one pick. Do the Giants draft Caleb Williams? Do they trade out of that pick and still get May if they move down at number three or number four? And they can get an extra first round draft pick. The Giants need to start looking at that because Joe Shane has not drafted very, very well. He has struck out. Go look at the drafts that he's had in the last two seasons. They haven't been good. Especially on offense. Everyone that's good on that offense has not come from his draft picks. The receivers especially. He's been really bad. Evan Neal really bad. It's vital if you're going to go this path to take a quarterback to get a quarterback that could at least be somewhat productive in that year. Now, if it is somebody that's going to be further back in the draft, Penix or Bo Nick, less of a sure thing. I like Penix. I'm not as high on Knicks, but less of a sure thing than a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. Then you're going to have to see if they could be able to develop with a really bad receiving core and a bad roster. There's a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. This could be a four or five quarterback draft, but we've seen this before. Yep. You remember the Sam Darnold draft. Everybody was saying this is going to be one of the best drafts for the next 10 years when it comes to quarterback. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen falling off a little bit. I still think he's an elite quarterback. Lamar Jackson's been the best one in that draft, and he was the final pick in the first round in that mm-hmm. draft. And you look at the quarterback depth. I think there's a scenario where the Giants definitely could have their eye on somebody else that isn't in that group either. And I think that's what this report from Vacchiano is indicating, that the Giants are going to look at all options. Joe Shane did attend the Washington-USC game. Don't be surprised if he starts to go with 10 more, too, because there is enough depth in this draft. The Giants need more than just a quarterback. Whatever quarterback does come in is going to be stuck in a really bad situation. The Giants need a lot of things. They need to fill in that offensive line. They only have two pieces to build on. They need three other pieces. Now, Uh if they do it in free agency, they could do that. And how 
about the wide receiving position? That's even worse. We've been talking about Harrison Jr. He could be a guy that could absolutely fit as the number one guy. But are you willing to give up that pick if you're drafting at four, you're drafting at three, when you can land your future quarterback? I don't know if the Giants should do that. Now, if they're at number two or number three, if I were the Giants, I would trade out of that pick. You could still probably get a quarterback in the top ten. You move down a couple of spots, you still get a quality quarterback, and then you build on that. You can get another first-round draft pick or maybe two second-round draft picks of the future. The Giants need to rebuild. They have one corner that could be the future number one guy in Banks. Is Thibodeau the real deal? Now, he played well against the Jets. He's been flashy at certain points, but he's, he's doing like crap. When the Giants have allowed the most rushing yards and mostly to his side. Everybody was comparing his skills to some of the best defensive ends. The Giants now having all this young talent on defense, but still haven't gotten in a lot of key areas. Trading back is definitely a good option for the Giants, and they're going to look at a quarterback. There's and- no question they're going to look at a quarterback. Is a quarterback the right piece to rebuild with? And then if you draft him, do you start him next year, or do you let Daniel Jones play out the season? The decision also will have to come with how you're going to manage this wide receiver position. Jared Goff, when he came in the league, the Rams at that time might have had the worst receivers in football. When Jeff Fisher was still there, they had Todd Gurley, but they had a bad offensive line and no wide receivers to help out their passing game. Then Sean McVay comes in, they make some trades, and he has a good receiving core, and Jared Goff looks good. So you wonder if the Giants could go through that kind of transformation where they try to go all in on that and then work with everything else later. The offense is so bad, with Darren Waller hurt, it's really alleviated it more, where they don't have anything to help out if Saquon or Darren Waller gets hurt too. And Saquon, I think he's going to be gone as well. He's been toyed with too much with this front office. It's clear that Joe Shane doesn't want him, and it looks like they're going to move on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our three for all picks of the week. All right, we'll start in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. The over-under is 38 and a half. I know the Ravens are hot right now, but I always have the thinking of too hot. I, all these streaks coming to an end. It's an ideal letdown spot, so I am going to take the Browns on this one. I know Deshaun Watson has not played well, but the Browns' defense has played fantastic so far this year. They lead the league in total yards per game, and I think this Browns' defense will keep it close. I'm going to take them in this game in the upset, even though it's in Baltimore. I'll take them on the under. Oh, I love Cleveland in this game. Baltimore never loses at home, but something tells me Cleveland is going to set another streak, and that's uh, the Lamar Jackson. I'm going to stay in the pocket streak because Lamar Jackson is not going to be able to move out of the pocket against Miles Garrett in this defense. They're going to keep him in the pocket. They're going to make him one-dimensional, and I absolutely believe Cleveland will upset the Baltimore Ravens, the number one team in the AFC North. Give it Cleveland on the money line. The San Francisco 49ers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, it is 44 and a half. So two teams just coming off the bye week. One definitely needed the bye week. The other one maybe got hurt by the bye week, and that's why I'm going to take the 49ers. I think Jacksonville, the five-game winning streak that hurts the momentum. Niners are going to get healthy on offense. Debo Samuel should be back this week. That pass rush, I think, is going to be very hard against the Jacksonville offensive line trying to figure things out. They traded for Ezra Cleveland at the trade deadline, but I like the Niners in this game. I think it'll be a close, low-scoring game. I'll take them on the under. Oh, I love San Francisco in this game. They have not looked good back-to-back-to-back games. They were 5-0, and and now they're 5-3. and They were one of the hottest teams, and people thought they were the best team going into the season, but they haven't looked good for the last couple of weeks. A lot of injuries. Debo Samuel will be back this week. I think they're going to be very explosive. Expect Purdy to have at least three touchdowns in the game. He'll throw up a 300 spot. And I expect this game to be close to out, but I don't think this defense, even though this defense in Jacksonville has played well this year, is going to be able to hold off the running game of Christian McCaffrey. Give me San Francisco on the money line. All right, the last one, the Chargers hosting the Detroit Lions. 48 and a half. I think this is going to be a blowout. The Chargers, even though they beat the Jets, Zach Wilson, he's been that bad this year. This Lions offensive line is light years ahead of where the Jets offensive line, so you can't expect them to be able to get all the sacks they're getting to. I think the Lions blow them out in this game. Give me Detroit on the over. Oh, I think the Lions are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. They've been fantastic. Their defense is skeptic. They haven't played well in certain games, especially against some of the better offenses. 
offensive lines, but they've kept the team in the games, and Jared Goff is an MVP candidate. He's been sensational. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They can do everything. Give me the Lions on the money. When we come back, Brian Cashman has an absolute tirade. He didn't look very happy at the press. He's not very happy at the fans. And the New York Mets have a new manager. And it wasn't Craig Council. As they add Carlos Mendoza from the New York Yankees. Here we go! When we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time LA on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth. Check out our local listings, the menu bar, World Wide Sports Radio. Com. I'll tell you somebody that's not very happy about being here in New York, and that's Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman has been attacked. He shows up at the GM meetings and just absolutely has a tirade on attacking the press and the fans. At this year's GM meetings, Brian Cashman said he was tired of holding back on his objections to the way the Yankees were perceived. After being criticized by reporters, Cashman called it bull that the front office was overly reliant on analytics. Cashman also defended the Yankees' front office, saying, while the Yankees might not be the best in the class at the moment, they were pretty effing good. And I'm proud of our people. Many of the Yankees' employees appreciate that Cashman had a tirade and that he sees the pressure that fans and reporters are putting on him. Cashman made the decision to extend Aaron Boone for one more season. And the Yankees were 82-80 and 80 last season. Their worst record since 1992. Brian Cashman, you listen to the excuses over the last three seasons, after the GM meetings, after the winter meetings, of Brian Cashman coming out and saying that we're still spending money, we're still trying to put the best team together, and trying to sell the Yankees after this organization has fallen short year in and year out. You pay Aaron Judge a nine-year extension this past offseason, giving him $360 million and incentives for a guy that couldn't stay healthy except over the last two seasons. You bring in Giancarlo Staten, you take on a big contract because you thought it was a good deal. The Yankees sat there and made every excuse that Giancarlo Stanton went healthy. He's an MVP candidate. And then some of these crazy moves. One of the moves that I vouched for, bringing in Frankie Montas. And Frankie Montas pitched how many games for the New York Yankees before his shoulder went on him? Frankie Montas will not be a Yankee this coming year. This organization has made mistake after mistake. And this roster, when it comes to the bullpen, has not sold to me. You bring King back. He goes into the bullpen again in the beginning of the season. Then you transform him into a starting pitcher all of a sudden. He shows you that he is a good starting pitcher where he should have started before he was put in the bullpen, made a mistake, and now moving forward, the Yankees are going to have to figure out where this rotation is going. Because going into next season, Garrett Cole, he should win. The Cy Young, Garrett Cole can opt out of his contract after next year. They're going to have to either extend him or let him go at the age of 33. Nestor Cortez, they threw out his shoulder. And that has a lot to do with Aaron Boone and his analytics. And the Yankees' analytics over the last couple of years, not really being precise on how 
how many games he should play and how many innings he should pitch. Luis Saverino, absolute bust ever since he tore his UCL and then tore his shoulder. He's been out two and a half years. He comes back. The guy hasn't pitched the same since they gave him the extension. That was a bad contract by Brian Cashman. They decided to make a trade with the Twins and they bring in Josh Donaldson. I thought it was a good move putting him between Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan. The guy is a washed up player. He was a washed up third baseman. The only thing I remember is him yapping his mouth to the other bench when he was on the field. Had no power, nothing to show for a lineup that was supposed to be one of the best lineups in baseball. Brian Cashman comes out and makes excuse after excuse over the last three seasons. Brian Cashman has won championships. He was a part of those great years of the 90s and the early 2000s. But what have the Yankees done for us lately? They haven't won a championship since 2009. This is the longest drought in Yankee history. And you come out and you're defending everything about this organization and that you're saying that we might not be the best in the class at the moment, but we're pretty damn good. How could you say that? 82 and 80? Your worst record since 92. And yes, it is a 500 record. And the Yankees have had more consistency when it comes to winning than any team in baseball. And you wonder where this team is going. Now you're hearing stories that they're interested in Juan Soto. But the Yankee fans were attacking Juan Soto in Yankee Stadium. The game that I was there, they were yapping. Why would Juan Soto want to come here and play in New York? Why would he want to play for the Yankees after what the Yankee fans were doing to him out in the outfield? And the whole Yamamoto thing. Is this going to happen? There were stories coming out that the Yankees were very close on making a deal and signing Yamamoto. Now there's stories coming out from Vegas and Vegas predicting that the Red Sox have the best chance of landing him. And then the Mets have come out and said that they're going to put all their eggs in one basket for Yamamoto. Brian Cashman saying what he has said at these GM meetings and not really standing for what he believes, but now lashing out to the press and the fans that he doesn't like what they're saying behind closed doors or out in the open, saying what they have said about this organization, that it's all about analytics, which it's been about analytics ever since they fired Joe Girardi. The analytics are a little different from what they've seen in the past, too, because of these new rule changes as well. The Yankees, I think, try to do the Dodgers model of analytics, which the Dodgers have done very well for years, but the Yankees have not been able to do it the same way with their pitching. And Brian Cashman has struck out on many different starting pitchers, either with trades or free agency. That Severino contract was horrible. Him and David Peterson were rivaling as the worst pitcher in baseball in the first half of the season. And then all of a sudden, David Peterson actually pitched well in the second half. So Brian Cashman, it's surprising that he's doing it this much, that he's lashing out as much as he did, because he's normally very humble. And you want to protect Aaron Judge. You want to protect Garrett Cole. And even you want to protect Aaron Boone. I think he did some good things this year. But like you said, wore out that bullpen and really never adjusted when that offense, especially in the second half of the season, was god-awful. Aaron Boone, he is one of the winningest managers right now in baseball. So for anybody that takes shots at Aaron Boone, it's Aaron Boone's fault. He lashes out to umpires. He sticks up for his players. That's what you want to see a manager do. They have savages in the box. I mean, he's the Lou Pinella of the Yankees. You would have thought that Joe Girardi was going to be that kind of manager. But if you look at how many times he lashed out, he's been thrown out of games. He's been thrown out of more games than any Yankee manager in the last 20 years. And that says a lot about who he is and what he believes in his team. But what this team has shown me is garbage. Glaber Torres was your best player throughout the season, and now they're talking about even moving him this offseason, that they're not going to overpay him, and that they're going to look elsewhere. And now Anthony Volpe wins the gold glove at shortstop, and then people lashing out at the Yankees that Volpe isn't the real deal, and that he isn't good. And Brian Cashman is stuck by him, so I have to give Brian Cashman a lot of credit that he sticks by his youngsters, and that he believes that these guys 
guys will develop. But who has developed over the last 20 years? Are you going to sell me that Luis Saverino, Aaron Judge, Volpe, and maybe Jason Dominguez are the only four guys that really have developed over the last 20 years? When the Yankees at one point were a top five franchise when it comes to player development and everything that they've done over the last couple of years to bring these guys up and develop these guys that none of these guys really developed. Same problems a lot. They've developed a lot of these good prospects, but they've had them also get hurt a lot too. I think they're running into a lot of the same problems we've seen recently with the Cardinals as well. The Cardinals always thought of as this model franchise for baseball, the best middle market team in any sport we've seen. And they've even had trouble with that same kind of thing, especially with pitching. And the Yankees, look at all these number one prospects that they've had. Frazier, Florial, all these guys that had this hype at the time, all they, all get, they all get hurt. The Yankees don't know what to do with them. They try to either hold on to them too long or they call them up too early and then it hurts their confidence too. And the Yankees have to realize they have to stick to one model too. We've seen these young teams call players up right away. The Reds did it this year and they, for a while, leading the NL Central. They were a playoff team for much of the year. They stuck with it. The Orioles did that last year, almost made the playoffs and then this year they were the number one seed in the American League. Stick to one philosophy. If you want to spend big, do these big swings like a Juan Soto trade possibility or you're going to have to get young all at once because we've seen the Yankees bringing all these older hitters all at once. DJ LeMayu did not work out. Rizzo worked out for the 2021 season. That was it. He stunk last year. Stanton now might be the worst contract for a hitter in baseball. There is no excuse. You had a chance to go to the American League Championship and got busted up by a Houston Astros team that is much younger and much more talented. And you look at management and executives that you have given up over the last couple of years as Ng went to the Marlins and developed and brought in players that fit and managers that fit to that organization and helped them win and get him into the playoff. Now Ng is available. You look at Brian Cashman right now. Do the Yankees bring in Ng to work under Brian Cashman? If it fails this year, do the Yankees fire Brian Cashman and fire Aaron Boone for the first time? Change everything when it comes to the management. Where the Yankees are, they're in that part of this organization that we've seen in the 80s where they win but they don't win enough to get over the top and with the wild card there now and you don't have to win the division to make the playoffs and make a run as we saw this year a team squeak into the playoffs after losing the division to the Houston Astros and go all the way to the World Series and win it all. It's not about winning a division. A division that's so very talented now. You have the Orioles that are young and up and coming you have Tampa that's always up and coming always find a way to win You have the Red Sox, who now have new management. I expect them to spend money this offseason as they fired their GM. And the Blue Jays, that is young and talented as well. And they have a tremendous amount of money that they're going to spend in the offseason as well. So the Yankees aren't the only team that have the money. Baseball is different now. All these teams are going to go out there and spend money and put themselves out there to be those endorsers to bring these superstars in and actually pay them the money that they want. Yeah, and how many high payroll teams really struggled this season? The Yankees and the Mets and the Padres have gone to this extreme levels, and when they doesn't work for them, they really have nothing left to fall back on. The Mets had to trade, like, everybody at the trade deadline because of that. They had to replenish that farm system. They did well with some of those trades. The Padres are now stuck with that because Juan Soto is going to be traded now, and they're going to have to try to get at least somewhat level of the same value back, and I don't think it's going to be as easy for them to do. And same kind of thing with the Yankees, especially pitching. They really need to develop a lot in that farm system if they want to get younger, more athletic, and more trends to the modern game. And that takes a long time to Mm -hmm. build. Hal Steinbrenner, who came out and said that he's not spending 
over the salary cap, it only tells you one thing. If the Yankees sit back and they don't overspend and they don't make trades, they're going to fall even more down and apart in a division that is only going to grow because this is the best division in baseball. And when you have all these young guys coming up, the Orioles have been bad for many, many years. And Toronto, that has been bad very long too. And then even Tampa, who are figuring things out. They're making trades, bringing in players you never even heard of that become superstars, develop players faster than any other team. When you see this, the Yankees are in trouble. Brian Cashman should not have any excuses to this. Even some of the management and the employees coming out and saying that they love that he had a tirade. You cannot love that Brian Cashman came out because all the executives believe that this team is falling. The downfall is coming. How could you sit here and be okay with it? The Mets hired Yankees bench coach Carlos Mendoza to be their next manager. Mendoza has been a part of the Yankees bench in the last four seasons and managed their Class A minor league team before joining the Yankees MLB roster in 2018. Mendoza worked as an infield coach and quality control coach and defensive instructor in his time with the Yankees. Mendoza interviewed for other managerial positions in the past, including the Tigers, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Giants, and the Padres. Mendoza was reportedly a finalist for the Guardians and the Giants job as well. The Mets have not had a manager stay with the team for more than two years since Terry Collins. I know a lot of Mets fans are not happy with the Mendoza signing. Everybody thought Craig Council was the guy. You bring in David Stearns. He's a guy that hired Council. And everybody thought this is all going to work the way the Mets thought it was going to work. Well, it didn't. And maybe David Stearns believed that Mendoza was the guy that he really wanted. Mendoza's been interviewed quite a few times over the last couple of years. And there are a lot of people that think Mendoza could be a very, very good manager in the MLB. He understands how to develop players. The Mets have had problems in certain aspects of the defensive side of the ball. You bring in a guy that understands how to bring in the coaching aspect of the game. If you ask any Yankee, including Aaron Judge, on what Mendoza did for his growth, he would tell you astronomically when you look at Mendoza I don't know what he's going to do we didn't know what Thompson was going to do when he took over for Joe Girardi he took him to the World Series his first year and then he took him to the NLCS his second year another Yankee guy that was there for many many years Now, Mendoza, he doesn't have major league management experience. But I think that's good when you bring in a guy that has been a part of the Yankees organization, a winning organization for years. Now, not championships, because in the last four years, the Yankees haven't won anything. But he's seen the Yankees go to the ALCS. He's been a part of growth of young players with the Yankees organization. And the Mets have a bunch of youngsters who everybody believes Mendoza can really develop. You look at the Mets farm system, it is one of the best in baseball now. When you look at this roster, we don't know if Pete Alonso is going to be a part of this team moving forward. You have Lindor there, who had a fairly good season. I still think he's overrated. I think he's overpaid. When you look at the pitching staff, Senga looks like he could be the real deal. But we have to see that back-to-back years. I said that. I thought Senga was going to be the best pitcher on the Mets when you had Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. I thought Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer were old and overpaid. Senga has proven himself his first year. But we've seen a lot of Japanese pitchers prove themselves come to the major leagues, and then the second year, and then the third year, they get worse. Do I believe Senga's going to be that guy? I don't know. But I do know Carlos Mendoza is a very good youth player developer. And you look at the experience
experience he has at the Yankees Class A level, too. You wonder if that kind of thing is going to transfer to the Mets' youngest players, especially, because Vientos and Beatty both had underwhelming rookie seasons for their standards. Alvarez was very good defensively and home runs. He actually had one of the highest totals for catchers in the league. But you look at the young pitching that's going to have to come through if the Mets are going to go anywhere. I know Billy Epler and David Stearns, before Billy Epler got fired, said, oh, 2024 is not the year. But that doesn't mean you can't make strides in terms of developing what was one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball last year. And one of the oldest pitching staffs, they traded away their two $43 million a year guys, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, that were pitching like third starters. Other guys pitched better in the second half of the season. Peterson, Tyler McGill, before he got hurt, was pitching well. Quintana, they found something a little bit out of. And like you said, Senga, we'll have to see him do it a second year, but he's a rookie of the year finalist. There's a reason the Yankees' prospects were rated so high when they were in double A AA and triple A, too. A lot of that has to do with the original class A development, too. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to translate to major league managerial strategy. That doesn't mean it's going to translate into working with the analytic department. That doesn't mean it's going to translate into a team player culture guy. Those things are all wild cards for first year managers. Look at the Diamondbacks. They hired Tara Lavello from the Red Sox, a completely different team than what Arizona had. 100%. Yeah. And they went to the playoffs in 2017 with a pretty young team. And now this year, this team was one of the youngest teams in baseball. The Red Sox, when they won the World Series in 2013, that was the reason he got hired. They were one of the oldest teams of baseball, of a completely different format. So it doesn't mean they can't work with them. Mendoza also has other roles, kind of in the middle tier right now. I think expect. this was a great hire. The best hire they've had over the last six years. I think he's better than Mickey Callaway. I think he's yeah. better than Rojas and Buck Showalter, who's a guy I thought was going to help the development of some of these youngsters and right. then wasn't going to take them to the next level. They were going to have to have somebody like Carlos Mendoza to take over to take them to the next level. I like the hire. I know the Met fans thought it was going to be Craig Council and they were going to overpay for him, but I think Craig Council had no thoughts of coming to the Mets. Craig Council, if he was going to jump ship, he was going to jump ship and get the most possible money he was going to get, and the Cubs were going to give him the most. The Cubs paid him $8 million a year for five years as a manager. I don't think any team was going to think to do that because the front office also has a lot of power when it comes to managerial strategy because of the analytics department now. So this high-end manager, unless you're a Bruce Bochy or somebody like that, is not going to be a mandatory thing for every team. And while the Mets were probably going to pay him a lot, they weren't going to pay him $8 million a year. The Cubs had to make sure they had to sweeten the offer to get him to leave the Brewers because it looked like he was going to stay with the Brewers too. They just had to renegotiate the deal and they swarmed in really quickly. But the Mets know they're not a manager away just from Buck Showalter was a problem, but not the only problem. The Mets have more of a talent deficiency. Great Council signed a record-setting five-year, $40 million contract with the Cubs to become their next manager. David Ross was ultimately fired after four years. He only had one playoff appearance with the Cubs. Council said he wanted a new professional challenge and still wanted to stay close to home. Council had been with the Brewers organization for a combined 17 years as a player, executive, and manager. Council's agent reportedly didn't speak to the Cubs until Monday, and the Brewers were not going to give the Cubs permission to speak with him before that. Council was reportedly torn between going back to the Brewers or going to the Mets before the Cubs gave him the largest managerial contract in MLB history. It is messed up what the Cubs did to David Ross because they told David Ross they're going to keep him after Craig Council became available and they can speak to him. Within hours, they figured out a contract that he was going to agree with and that the organization was going to agree with to bring him to the Chicago Cubs. If I was a Brewer fan, I would not be happy knowing that I have to watch Craig Council manage a team that you have to play against every single season for the next five years. When you look at the Mets organization, 
and what the Mets have when it comes to money. Steve Cohen is willing to spend. The youngsters that the Mets made trades with for Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, their rebuilt farm system. You would have thought managing for your pal David Stearns would be a better fit than going to the Chicago Cubs. But the Chicago Cubs, an organization that likes to sneak in, Craig Council is a good manager. He hasn't won anything, but he's been successful. Craig Council, the way he's operated with the Brewers, it started off really low market. Then it started to become middle market. They started to spend a little money. They made the trade, obviously, for Yelich, and then they gave him a big contract. And since then, they've also given out some other big contracts. But the problem is they haven't been able to do it on a consistent basis to get them over the top. Had to work with many different teams. Now, I don't think that's all on him. I think that's also on Stearns, and I think that's also on the previous GMs for not being as aggressive at the trade deadline. I think Council realized that the Brewers were going to be on that kind of downfall. I thought it was going to be the trade deadline. I thought they were going to start selling pieces. They ended up still staying afloat, and they ended up making the playoffs. But still, the Brewers are kind of stuck in that, all right, we can make the playoffs, but we're not good enough to win a playoff series type thing. Since they went to the NLCS in 2018, they've just kind of been stuck in that pattern, and he wanted a new opportunity. I didn't expect the Cubs to be that team. And I don't think the Mets expected this kind of power move. We thought the competition, if somebody was going to steal Craig Council from the Mets or the Brewers, it looked like it was going to be the Astros. The Astros, obviously, with the reputation that they have, making the ALCS every year for the last seven years, granted half of that was cheating, but still, they have that kind of stability. You would think that was going to be the team that was going to steal it. And then the Mets would probably go after somebody else. The Giants got rid of Gabe Kapler. They traded for Bob Melvin. Maybe that kind of move was going to happen as the backup plan, but Council doing it like this, I think, was the Cubs' power move in terms of trying to make sure he didn't go back to the Brewers, especially. They had to make that kind of power move as being that sneaky, high-market team with upside that the Mets right now aren't in. I don't necessarily blame the Mets for striking out on them because I think they were blindsided. When we come back, our very special guest. He's been on here before, and he's going to be on here again, and he is ready to attack everything that's going on in basketball. When we come back, we will be talking to former Nets, Knicks, and Raptors point guard, our friend Chris Childs, here on the Weekend Crunch. Oh, I know Chris loves this. A little Jay-Z. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, kill us now show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time LA on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth, and check out our local listings by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, he is a former Net, a former Nick, and a former Raptor. He played with Vince Carter. He played with Alan Houston. He played with Larry Johnson, Grandmama, our friend, Christopher Childs. Chris, what's up, buddy? Yo, yo, what's up, fellas? How's look, everything? You look good, man. Hey, I'm trying, man. I got to get a shape. I might be able to get a 10-day with the Knicks. Well, the Knicks are playing pretty good <laughs> basketball right now. Do you have any more kids that got married? <laughs> <laughs> no, not that I know of. <laughs> well, you didn't shoot blanks either. <laughs> no, I did not. I had a lot of Michael Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably sharing the bong with you every single day now. <laughs> I don't partake like that, but enjoy it. It's you know. legal now. Chris, we haven't had you on the show for a little while. It's been a couple of months and we were speaking about John Morant and John Morant got suspended for 25 games and you spoke very highly of the kid and the mistakes that he's made and did you ever reach out to the Memphis Grizzlies on speaking to John Morant? I did not but I did speak to someone that works closely with him, one of my ex-agents. We didn't get a chance to set anything up as far as a one-on-one conversation but hopefully he has people in his corner that can guide him. I don't know how many more chances he'll be able to get. 
get a 25. He's lucky to get a 25-game suspension because it's been guys that have done a lot worse that got suspended for the whole season. We can just only pray that he gets the right guidance. I know he probably missed games. You don't want to sit out one or two games, let alone 25, so... I wish him the best. John Moran, five different instances he had. There was a couple more since then. There was also the wrongful convictions. I think last time we had you on the show with the whole police department thing. What do you think is going to have to be the next step for him, both long-term and short-term in the immediate year for the Grizzlies? You have to shorten your circle of people that you're around. Usually when you come out, you start making a lot of money. You got a lot of hanger on guys. You feel that you're obligated to support them, bring them along, let them be in a celebrity or whatnot. So you have to shorten your circle of people because a lot of times those guys are are envious of you even though they're hanging around you you're able to get things that they've never dreamed of getting so you can't worry about pride and your ego or trying to keep it real what you're trying to do is survive and provide for your family and live a life uh, that god has put in front of you and that can be easily taken away because you want to try to live a certain lifestyle and portray a certain image when all he has to do is play basketball and he's the face of the league we are talking to former Nets, Knicks, and Raptors point guard Chris Childs. There's a kid that everybody was blowing up. He was the number one pick. Everybody said he's the greatest prospect in NBA history, Victor Webinyama. I saw him against the Knicks. He didn't have such a great game. His first half, he only had two points. What has stood out to you so far watching this kid? He's very fluid. Shoots the ball extremely well. You know, when you're coming to the league and you're coming from Europe or even here in the States, it takes a time to become a pro. You have to be a pro at what you eat. You have to be a pro with your workout. For me, the main thing is studying, watching film and understanding how can I score? How can I get my points? How I'm going to be most effective for my teammates? So all these things he has to learn on the fly because he was drafted number one. They expect a lot of things out of him, but he's playing for a coach that understands that and is going to be patient with him. I think he's probably three years away. He has to get a little more weight on him. He has to play a full season, understand if he can stay injury free. Unfortunately, he gets injured, then that's another mental hurdle that he has to get over. So we pray that that doesn't occur. But he's about three years away from understanding how to be a professional. So the point guard position has become a lot more of an athleticism-oriented position. You have to still be able to shoot. But we're not seeing as many like Chris Paul types anymore as when you played in the league and even previous eras. Do you think the game is changing more to wings that could handle the ball more or bigger point guards like what obviously Wemby is, but even more? Yeah, I looked at a game the other day. I think it was Indiana versus somebody. It was 150 to 120. I mean, it's like an all-star game. So there's no defense being played. You have bigger guards. They want to score, push the ball up the floor, play interchangeable positions. So the game is going to evolve no matter what. But we miss that point guard that runs a team, not looking to do all the scoring, but he's able to distribute and run a ball club. But that's what the fans want, to see people get up and down a lot of scoring. But then that all changes once it gets to the playoffs. Chris, there's a lot of players that run amok in the NBA. We all know about Kyrie Irving, but this offseason, it's been James Harden. And why not two halves of the former Brooklyn Nets has caused trouble on and off the court. He goes to Houston, he hangs out at strip bars, he doesn't show up to preseason games, doesn't show up to practices, and then demands to be traded when he does show up before the season started. Are you one of those players that respect players like this that don't show up for the team and it's all about himself as a player? It's a good setup. You must have been a point guard yourself. <laughs> I was. <laughs> Let me be careful of what I say about this because I don't want to come across as older player that doesn't appreciate the younger guys and their decisions, but 
but you get paid to play. A lot of guys will play this game for free, but we've been fortunate enough to make it to the highest level. And the fans want to see the, the owners pay you a lot of money to come out there and play the game of basketball. Now, I can't get inside of James Harden's head. My son knows him better than I do because he coached his team, he's trained him, so he knows his mentality. But the one thing I do know is that you lose a lot of respect by the decisions that you make. So you'd rather go to a strip club than come and practice. You'd rather leave us out there busting our behind and you're at home relaxing. Now, I know there was a difference with the GM and James, but it should be about your teammates first. There's inside of it that he has to do what's best for his future. But these guys are making $150, $200 million a year. What are you worried about? You're going to get your money, but all you're doing is neglecting the guys that come to practice every day, come to training camp in shape, and give their all there to try to win a championship. I don't know him that well, so I don't know if that's the most important thing in his life. But I hope that he finds a way to get back to the player he was when he was at Houston, get back dedicated because he's an unbelievable talent. But a lot of these guys have that me mentality, that it's all about me and it's not about team no more. That's the way the league is going right now, and it's unfortunate because the younger people look up to the ones that go out there and do their job every day. James Harden gets traded to the Clippers for practically nothing and he goes and plays with his buddy Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. Do you think this is a championship contending team with all these former All-Stars? Absolutely not. I love you, Chris. You might as well throw some jacks out there and some marbles and just tell them to go play marbles in the sandbox. All four of them, they're unbelievable talents, but it's not about the most talented. It's about the most cohesive team that plays unself it's not enough balls for those guys. And I've seen James Harden with the ball, dribble, 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 dribble. And Kawhi Leonard is standing in the corner for 15 seconds of the shot clock. That's not Kawhi's game. Catch the ball. If they double team James, him with three seconds left on the clock, and now he has to make a shot. That's not his game. I just don't see it working. They might get past the first round, but I don't think they'll get any further. There's only one guy on that team that has a set of balls. That's Kawhi Leonard because he actually knows how to win. The other three couldn't get over the hump. They could bounce each other's balls. <laughs> That's another topic. <laughs> I don't want no parts of it. I don't either, but sometimes I get roped into it anyway. You got to accept it because you guys are together all the time. So you might know more about it. Unfortunately, I do, and I don't want to have to remember all the instances where balls were brought into it. Make sure you clarify it and put either base in front of of it or a bass foot in they're, front of a ball. They're not deflated balls like Tom Brady. Oh, Lord, <laughs> Can't talk about the goat like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It took a while for Errol to accept that it was the GOAT either. He's oh not gosh. the greatest. Joe Montana is well, the greatest. I'm a Joe Montana fan, but you can't take away what Brady did. And once he went to Tampa and won, he's the GOAT. I love Joe Montana. I grew up in California watching him. Him and Jerry Rice and John Taylor and Roger Craig. I love that team, but Tom Brady is the GOAT as far as quarterback. The best football player ever is Lawrence Taylor. Maybe you should do a radio show with us, man. We can do our arguing of football. I will agree with you that Tom Brady he won six Super Bowls and he helped Tampa win a Super Bowl and that's great. That doesn't make him the GOAT. It takes a team to win a Super Bowl, my friend. And if you look at Tom Brady's career in the Super Bowl, even though he won four MVPs, he only deserved two of them. Because if you look at his Super Bowl career, it's not very good. He always had a very good defense. He always had a very good running game. And his offensive line did enough to protect him. And he has one of the greatest coaches of all time. That speaks for itself. Play. Yeah, but the coach calls the plays. No, the coach sits there and he has an offensive court he has a defensive coordinator. Mm. They come up with a game plan and the coach gets all the practice. The coach only coaches in practice. They really don't coach in a game, especially in the NBA. 
Okay. Football's different than the NBA, my friends. So Tom Brady won six. Michael Jordan won six. The reason Michael Jordan is the GOAT over LeBron, the argument is because he has six rings. He's never lost the finals. He never went to a game seven in the finals. Tom Brady, yeah, he lost a couple, but he has six rings. So that doesn't make him the GOAT? Absolutely not. Championships don't make you the GOAT. Yes, they do. Now, winning and all that other stuff gets you into the Hall of Fame. But have the title GOAT, got to win championships. I'm the GOAT. I go, bad. Maybe <laughs> yeah, not the you GOAT you're thinking, like- not the greatest of all time. And first of all, the greatest of all time is LL Cool J. He's the one who created the name. So he is the GOAT. So there He's you go. He's far from the GOAT. Stop. I know. Stop it, Chris. I know you're going you to attack your, everything I said. You and your GOAT balls. <laughs> I don't want to think about a GOAT's balls, but if it's good and it's edible, I might eat it. You don't want to make the GOAT noise. So <laughs> Spaghetti and GOAT balls. <laughs> I'm no longer hungry. Now you made Chris lose his appetite. Good, I'll mail you a couple of GOAT balls. <laughs> Back to some point guards. Another one that had an interesting <laughs> offseason was Damian Lillard, whose agent came out and said yeah. he only wants to play for the Miami Heat, and then he ends up getting traded a couple months later to the Milwaukee Bucks. Very unique saga, but Damian Lillard, unlike a lot of these other players we are just talking about, did stay with his team for over a decade. So what were your thoughts with the whole Damian Lillard saga? I knew it was time. Three years past due. He's been wanting to get out of there. My son would have more insight because my son trained Dame. Going to Milwaukee is going to be a great move. He's a closer. He's somebody to take a lot of pressure off for the Greek freak, but the key to that team is that Middleton can stay healthy. If he's healthy, then they have an opportunity to be real good. They lost Drew Holiday. It's going to make it interesting with Dame on that team because he brings a different dimension than Drew when he was there, but Drew was a defensive stopper. I guess they're going to give up some of that defensive ability for offensive ability to close games. So it's a wait and see. It's early in the season. We'll see if they don't, as long as they don't get frustrated with each other. Dame like to take 35, 40 footers. So we'll see how that uh, pans out. We are talking to former Nets, Knicks, and Raptors point guard. Chris Childs. LeBron James, after he got eliminated, Denver knocks him out, and he speaks about retirement. Then he goes on the SB Awards and says, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not retiring. I don't plan to retire anytime soon. And then you go into the season, Denver looks like the team to beat, and LeBron James came out recently and said, don't count the Lakers out. We expect to be a contender this year. Do you think the Lakers are a contender with the team that they have? Any team with LeBron is a contender. Coming out of the West, I think they have an opportunity. It all depends on Anthony Davis. If he's going to show up 70 games, hopefully they can position themselves to have a good seating. But I'm not sold on them. I think Denver's going to repeat. Jokic is just too good. His basketball IQ is phenomenal. And he's so unselfish. I've never seen a guy that could really go out and get 40 on any night because he's that skilled down low. But he only wants to win. They play the game the right way. Pass into the open man. If you open, shoot it. If you not, pass, cut. They play the game the right way. And I enjoy watching them. I can't watch a whole game of a lot of teams that play. But I enjoy watching them particularly play is because of the way they play the game. If you watch like a Minnesota team, who put this team together? Who thought it was a smart idea to have two seven-footers that are slow-footed? I don't know how Rudy Gobert was defensive player of the year because of his blocks. Uh, he's always out of position. His teammates are always covering for him because all you have to do is run pick-and-roll basketball. He stays in the paint like chief from one fluid cuckoo's nest with his hands <laughs> up in the air. Denver is the team that I enjoy watching, so I think they're going to repeat. Rudy Gobert, maybe they'll 
only reason he's Defensive Player of the Year is because he packs a punch. He just uses it on his teammates instead. He's from France. He's popping some goat balls. There's something wrong with him. Right <laughs> now. I don't know. Have you ever been to France? Have you ever seen some of the stuff that they eat over there? Yeah, it was a long, long time ago. But I know they eat escargot, but I'm not a guy that will go over there for the cuisine. The wine, but not the cuisine. Yeah, if I were to go with him in a spot where he's going to eat goat balls, I'm going to need a lot to drink, too. <laughs> exactly. We are talking to former Nets, Knicks, and Raptors point guard Chris Childs. The New York Knicks, there's a lot of stories coming out that Joel Embiid is a high-profile guy. If he becomes available, if the 76ers are looking to trade him, he would be the number one guy for the Knicks. Then you've heard Carl Anthony's Towns' name being called out. The cat, because Leon Rose was his former agent, that he could be another guy the Knicks could go after. And I've brought up Devin Booker. If somehow Phoenix falls out, or they're not as good with Bradley Beal, they're not as good with Kevin Durant. It doesn't work over there. Bradley Beal has a no-trade clause. Kevin Durant is 35. He's an old man. Devin Booker is the best prospecting player that they have right there that they can move. The Knicks need a wing shooter. Who do you want if you can go after any one of those three? I think it will be Joel Embiid. Just imagine him and Brunson in the pick and roll. It'd be unstoppable. Pick your poison. Booker would be a great pickup, but I like the shooter that we have. Grimes. I like that young player. I think he has an opportunity uh, to be good. He reminds me of Allen Houston a little bit, the way he shoots the ball. But out of those three, it'd definitely be Joel Embiid. So there's been stories about James Dolan saying, I don't like to be the owner of sports teams, and he's going <laughs> to sell the Knicks at some point once he's done with Vegas. So what do you think about that story, and what was your connection like with James Dolan when you were with the Knicks? <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> connection. That might be a good uh, thing. That just makes him chuckle. He's always had his footprint on the organization. Does he ever? No matter whether publicly or quietly or behind the scenes. When I was there, I had a relationship with Towards the end, before I got traded, we might have spoke maybe a couple of times at a Christmas party, whatever, but I've never had a conversation uh, longer than maybe 30 seconds with him. I'm not going to get into bashing him or saying negative things because I'm beyond that. Don't everybody worry, we do that me. a lot on this show. Yeah, everybody knows what needs to be done. I'm going to just continue to support the team that they try to build. I like the talent, but the change has to start from the top to be able to get free agents that's going to help the team. Sooner or later, they're going to have to make a decision, whether it's the board or the league, because York is the mecca. I want them to win. I want them to be successful. Even though the excitement is back in the arena, it's still missing something. Yeah, of course, it's a championship, but it's still missing that when teams come to the garden, they're petrified and scared. Get back to the old ways of playing and protecting your home court. That was old school basketball. You can't do that now because it's a flagrant foul if you breathe on somebody. So they have to find another way to excite the fans. I'll tell you how you excite the fans. Just like the Kansas City Chiefs. One of your guys, date Taylor Swift. That excites <laughs> the fans. We could all be Swifties here in New York. And then she'll see Julius <laughs> Randall and say, nah, I'm good. That might work. I don't know if any of the guys on that team have the charisma Kelsey has. She is a season ticket holder for the Knicks. Travis Kelsey's been caught watching a Knick game, too. Maybe he's going to become a Knick fan like her. I don't think they're going to end up together. I think this is all hey. publicity. Just like Kim Kardashian and Pete. I didn't think that was going to go that long, either. Pete gets a tattoo on his chest. Then he gets it eliminated. Then he's dating this girl, that girl. Before you know it, he's caught in the closet. Just something. keep all the Kardashians away from the Knicks. We'll continue to mock <laughs> Ben Simmons for that. Everybody that goes in that house comes out crazy. Ben 
Women just might be crazy anyway. But. They're smart business women. They're billionaires. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they have good people behind them. I like my sanity. They have fake butts and fake boobs. And when you have those, that stands out for billions. Goat balls. <laughs> and goat balls. They oh, probably eat those, too. You had to bring that back. Come on, Chris. I thought you were better than that. You don't need to instigate him more. I just like to laugh. If mocking the Brooklyn Nets wasn't enough, Ben Simmons and James Harden that we've been mocking, you had to bring back the goat balls. Simmons is still with the Nets? Yes, he is, because he might have the worst contract in the NBA, and nobody wants him. Oh, he's making, what, 25 a year? Uh, more than that. It's like 37. Are you serious? Yeah. You're getting really oh, robbed. I, <laughs> I was born too soon. All right, maybe time travel does exist and get you back into the game. I th I'm sure the Nets would definitely take you back over Ben Simmons. 100%. <laughs> I mean, you and Spencer oh, Dinwiddie in the backcourt. Anyways, Chris, we love you. Keep up the good work. We'll get you on again. Why don't you give some information on how people could donate money to your organization? I'm still doing the mentorship with the young people, feeding the homeless, getting ready to start doing something with prison reform. Most of the money that is donated is to feed the homeless project. So you can either do it through PayPal at goldenchilds at gmail.com or cash at dollar sign one child. Any of everything helps, especially during the wintertime where we need to get these people's blankets, soap, towels, ponchos, gloves, shoes. That's what the money goes towards. It's something that my dad and I started when he was, and I'm trying to keep it going. So any support is helpful. We really appreciate everything that you do, my friend. We'll get All you right. on soon. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Stay blessed and be safe. And remember, stay away from those goat balls. Please do. See Chris, the great and goat ball himself. Child, Speedy, what did you think about that? Yeah, there were definitely a lot of goat balls, but he definitely was throwing a lot of shots at some NBA players, uh, a.k.a. James Harden. He knows everything about the, he played for the Nets, but he even played for the Nets when they weren't clowns, and James Harden did for them. But Chris is not a clown. He was fantastic and a very funny guy. Great stories and very interesting things with Damian Lillard, too. I didn't realize his son strayed with Damian Lillard. I want to give a shout-out to Chris, and he has a donation for all the fans out there that want to donate to Chris Child's donation. All you have to do if you have Cash App, you go to dollar sign one Child's. Yes, dollar sign the number one Child's. C H I L D S. And if you have PayPal, Golden Child's. G O L D E N C H I L D S at gmail.com. Calm. Shout out to Chris Childs. When we come back, some college football. The Big Ten suspends Jim Harbaugh for the rest of the regular season. When we come back, we will get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember to listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, LA. I'm 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Check out all our local listings and shows. Check out our menu bar, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. And if you miss any one of our shows, we have the sports loudmouth up on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. And if you want to listen to all the shows throughout our network, you can go to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. They're on everything, so tune in throughout the week. I'll tell you somebody that's not going to be listening to much of anything on the sidelines because he's going to be sitting out for at least three games for the rest of the season, Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has been suspended for the rest of the regular season. If they make the playoffs, he will be coaching. But if they make the playoffs, as they still have to play 
in the Big Ten Championship. Michigan also sent documents to Big Ten claiming Rutgers, Purdue, and Ohio State also used an in-person scout to receive offensive and defensive signals about Michigan. The Associated Press reports an anonymous Big Ten employee admitting to getting detailed from other conference rivals and then creating spreadsheets of those signs. Associated Press also mentioned they have screenshots of text messages sent between staff members at Michigan and other Big Ten schools. Ohio State is number one in the latest college football playoff ranking, and Michigan is number three. I absolutely believe that Jim Harbaugh will be heading to the NFL at the end of this college season. There are going to be quite a few football teams out there that are going to give him an offer. He is making almost $10 million right now by Michigan. Signing a new contract last year. Michigan was trying to keep him, and then this scandal came out. I do not believe that Jim Harbaugh will stay here. Here's the reason why. Michigan has not won a national championship. They're going to not win a national championship this year, even if they make the playoff, which they probably will. Ohio will make it. Georgia will make it. They will make it. And let's just say Florida State, because I think Florida State is the fourth best team in the nation. Jim Harbaugh, he should have never left the NFL. He should have never left San Francisco. He almost took the Broncos job last year. He decided to not take the job, and I could see why. He didn't want to coach Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has his own ego. These sign scandals. This has been going on forever. The Bill Belichick Patriots did it. Spygate. Did it help them win a Super Bowl? We will never know, because Roger Goodell decided to get rid of those tapes. And this is not a scandal. This has been going on in college football forever. Jim Harbaugh is the only idiot that got caught. And now you look at Michigan and you wonder, what are they going to do if they do suspend Jim Harbaugh and they do take away their chances of winning a national championship for the next couple of years? We all know what happened to USC. It took them seven years to actually have a chance to get their foot in the door where they can win a national championship. They haven't won a national championship since Pete Carroll, since Reggie Bush, since Matt Leinart in Michigan. You wonder what this coaching staff was thinking when this was going on over the last couple of years. And when you look at Jim Harbaugh and his coaching and what he has done over the last couple of years, has he really developed a quarterback in Michigan? No. Now, McCarthy McCarthy could be a late first-round draft pick. You can question where they're going to be next year when their recruiting class is not as good as it was last year. Now, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, their recruiting class will go into the portal. They will go elsewhere. Why would you want to go to Michigan? Why would you want to play for a team that can't win a national championship? And also, you wanted to play for Jim Harbaugh. Now, all of a sudden, you wonder where this program is going to be heading if Jim Harbaugh decides to go coach the Las Vegas Raiders or elsewhere in the NFL. With Michigan, program reputation is still going to be there, but the transfer portal is still very powerful where that kind of thing could deter them for a while. We know what happened with Penn State after their whole scandal, too. It took them a while to really build that program up again, despite their past reputation with Paterno. Because of the competition of recruiting in the Big Ten as it is with Ohio State that's always very good with that. Penn State's that's always good with that. Even Michigan State for a while was getting good recruits. They just didn't know how to put it together. And there's going to be competition now with USC and UCLA. Washington coming into the Big Ten now. They're going to lose a lot because of that. As far as the scandal itself, this is more than just a recruiting violation thing that Harbaugh had. They fired the employee, thankfully, but this is a guy that used military technology and in-person scouts to steal signs from Gaines. And there is visual proof of this now, the spreadsheets. They actually had proof of that document being photographed. And it's been happening for the last three years. There were three 
different samples of games that they looked at. Now Michigan is accusing Ohio State and these other teams of doing it now too, which is also very Why shouldn't they? It might be a whole conference-wide thing. I do believe Ohio State definitely has the funding to do something like that. We've taken shots at Ryan Day for many things too. I think this has been going on for years, and it's not just with this conference. It could be all over college mm-hmm. football. Jim Harbaugh is trying to protect himself. He believes that he is going to be suspended. He's going to hurt his college. Now college football is trying to bring in the different rules, the NIL deals now, and then now everybody's complaining about the portals, how it's ruining college football. You can jump from one team to another team to another team, and if a coach decides to flee or gets fired, then you could just jump right into the portal and go to another team the next year, and I think that hurts college football. I think the NCAA needs to figure out how these portals could work. If a coach gets fired or decides to go to another team, then they should be allowed to go into the portal and jump into the portal and leave. But if you look at the position college football is in now, you can jump from one team to another team to another team. There has to be some kind of understanding on how these portals could be worked. With college football, with these players making money, and as well as they should, I've always vouched for the players. I think every single player should be making money off their names. They can't pay for food. If they get a full scholarship, the college is going to pay for their living. They're not getting anything else. How are they paying for clothes? How are they paying for food outside of school? So I think it works out in a lot of ways for college football players. The problem right now is the portal. Teams like Michigan and Georgia and Alabama and Florida State and Florida, all these big schools, these collegiate schools that usually get the best of the best. They get the best recruits. If that coach leaves, like Jim Harbaugh, he gets suspended and decides to flee and go to the NFL like Pete Carroll did, then they have to look at this and say they can jump from one team to another. If their coach is there and he recruited them, I don't know if it should be allowed that they could jump from one team to another if they're not going to play. I think they need to look at this and say, you get one chance to jump. You can portal. That's it in your college career. Because how many years do you play if you're going to be an NFL player? When we come back, Papoose Paulo, the champion himself, as he keeps hitting and keeps picking at the top of his game. And Chazimoto, as he is rocking, as he was 4-0 last week on Let's Parlay, and he's just racking in the bills, baby. When we come back, if you want to bet and you want to make money, you should be listening to Moneyline Mania. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9. The LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Check out the World Wide Sports Radio website by going to worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including the Loudmouth, Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. with me and Speedy Petey. Listen to the World Wide Sports Radio Network by going to worldwidesportsradio.com. And now, Ladies and gentlemen, they don't need any applause. And if you're not applauding, well, then you're not winning any money. And you should be winning money because they're at 76% since they started with us, as we call this segment Money Line Mania. This is Money Line Mania with Chaz and the crew. He's loud, he's proud, he's Chaz, and he is Papoose Paolo. What is up, boys? Paolo and I have been doing this together a long, long time. And this is as special a run as we've had, Paolo. Well, yeah. One and one. Said last week that Los Angeles Chargers going to win by 14 plus points, 4 to 1. It just comes natural. I've become pretty good at the NFL also. Besides soccer, thanks to you. Any handicap in any sport, if your handicapping is solid, the sport won't matter. Some people handicap 
to the sport versus handicapping to handicap. So if you're following the numbers, the stats, whatever you're doing that's making what you do what you do, it'll work in every sport. Very well said. The only thing is that if you specialize on one or two sports, it's better. If you look at all the sports, it's too much of a headache. That's what makes soccer so special. If you got football from January, February to August, you're done. But not with me and Wes, because we do Canadian football, and I cover arena football, and XFL, USFL. But the data that I use, that easy sports data, it works for any sport. All the numbers are, numbers show you the result of something else. And in data, we were at a sales meeting the other day, and I laughed out loud, because I would say the same damn thing I just said about business, about sports betting. Because when it comes to money and numbers, there's really the similarities are the same. So, Paolo, yeah. every Saturday night I listen to the show so I can get your soccer picks. Most of them are winners. The past two weeks I've given you 16 games, two, seven, 18 parlays, and they both come out. We win three and four bets on each game. The only one last week they didn't win was Liverpool. But they still scored the goal in the 90th minute, so they still paid pretty good the goal goal. The only loser you had was that one game that went nil-nil. Yeah, 20 and 1. Was it the Women's World Cup? You went like 27 and 1? Yeah, the Women's World Cup. Imagine the summer now with the Euro, what's going to happen. Have I lost more than three games in a tournament? Never. I don't think so. Predicted Argentina to win. I predicted the Spain's women to win. I'm really into soccer. In soccer, they just want the goal scored. Once the goal is scored, they win. Let's this talk week, about Sunday soccer. One game that's early morning. What did I tell you last week was going to happen with Ajax? That Eindhoven game got up and they were losing. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they scored five goals. Now, this week, Ajax is playing with Almeria. Ajax is going to win this game. This game's going to go over two and a half. Both teams are going to score and Ajax is going to score at least one and a half goals. And the first half is going to be over 0.5 goals. Ajax is finally starting to win. In another play, it's on the Inter Milan against Rossone. Barcelona is playing two on Sunday. I don't think they're going to do a 90-minute thing. I think it's going to be a pretty easy winner for Barcelona. And getting back to Liverpool, after last week when they struggled and they scored the goal last minute, this week, even even though they're such big favorites, still not convinced they're going to win, even though they're at 1.49. The other team, Bradford, is at 7.6. And I definitely like Bradford to score a goal. I would not bet Liverpool after last week. They scored a goal, but they don't win. Bradford scores. So Bradford to score a goal pays pretty good odds. And don't be surprised if Bradford goes into Liverpool and pulls an upset at 7.6. Liverpool does score, but they're not how they were at the season. So I'm not putting Liverpool to win in this game. The game that I'm going to focus on is the Inter and the Ajax game. I love the Ajax game. The Ajax is my favorite game of the week. When he says that Ajax game, what he's basically saying is he sees it being three or four to one or three or four to nothing. He's telling you to bet both teams to score. Bet the team over. They're going to win. If they score early, sometimes they score often. That's the thing with the Dutch games that I like. There's goals. Ajax can score, and they're going to score this week against Almeria. Don't be surprised if they score four. NFL, the last two weeks, it's been the same thing. None of them are jumping out at me. There's just some really ugly football being played. The last two weeks, I picked the upsets, but this week, the only game that I like, the big play, is the San Francisco 49ers win on the money line cover the spread minus three but i won't even risk the spread just to win what do you think about the cincinnati Bengals with the texans 
That's one of my four plays. My first play, one of the morning games, it's Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and I'm on the under. I was afraid on all of these lines, the numbers were going to move. I got two unders on betting. These aren't going up. If anything, they're going down. And I can get under 37 and a half, and it goes to 36. Well, I'd rather have under 37 and a half than under 36 every time. Another interesting game, the New Orleans Saints with the Vikings. The spread is at three. I like the Vikings in this game. I'm not convinced with the, the Saints. Because last week, when I said that the Bears were going to upset the Saints, if he doesn't throw all these interceptions, the Bears would have beaten the Saints. They were lucky. The Saints are not a good team. And getting points, anything's possible. The Vikings can win this game. I had Minnesota last week on the money line, and it was my last game, and I needed them to win the game, and they gave up a touchdown with like a minute left in the game. And I'm thinking, this is over, and Vicky says, what do you mean it's over? They get the ball back. They just got to score a touchdown. I said, Vicky, this quarterback wasn't even in the building on Monday, and he let him down the field, and they scored, so I definitely am a Minnesota fan. This Saints team has been very, very lucky. If Justin Fields was the quarterback, back there's no way the saints win that game that was a gift in the last four games in the first half the saints have allowed 14 points or more every single game for four straight games in the first half and they've been over in five of them what do you think about the cleveland browns with the ravens Paolo, remember how I told you I got Fenor? That was the only loser. They didn't score. Yeah, and we yeah. had him to score, PD. Yeah. So when I bet him, I didn't realize I bet next game for them, which is until the 25th, and they lose. But I don't lose. So I'm wondering, why is my ticket still in the book when I lost? And I didn't lose because I didn't bet the game. I thought I bet their game on November 25th. The same thing happened to me, Paolo, with this Cleveland game. I thought I was betting a six-teamer that had Cleveland in the under against Arizona. Shut them out and went under. It was a winner, right? But they don't pay me. And then I looked. I got them next week against Baltimore. So this week, Cleveland in the under, I'm not betting the game. If I was going to bet this game, I'd bet Baltimore, but I'm not betting it. But I have Cleveland, and it's only five and a half because I got it early and the line's going up. So I got Cleveland plus five and a half and under, and I hit a five-teamer. And I didn't want it. I love the Baltimore Ravens. Remember, I picked them from the beginning at 3.65 to win the division. They're going to beat Cleveland, cover the spread. Big game with the Jets and the Raiders. That's one of my best plays, too. So my four best bets this week were under in the Green Bay-Pittsburgh game, Cincinnati, Dallas, Mm -hmm. and under in the Jets-Vegas game. Last week, what I saw with the Jets, the defense is amazing. But that quarterback... I think this week is going to get the job done. Yeah. Offense made the Chargers defense look like the 1986 oh, yes. year. When a team fires its coach, they tend to get a surge for a game. Yeah. But then they come back to earth and they realize, yeah, it wasn't just the coach. We're just not very good. Denver with Denver. the Bills. Spread minus seven. I like the Broncos to cover the spread. I don't know if they're going to win this game. I don't pick them as an upset. But I do like him to cover the spread. I'm not convinced that the Bills can shut them down. Because the Bills don't have a defense. They proved it last week. Buffalo Bills are not getting my money. I have them on a parlay with Caesars in New Orleans to win the division. But they ain't getting my money because they just, the last three or four weeks, they ain't worth betting. I like Tennessee to beat Tampa Bay. And I'll tell you where I see an upset this week. I'm going to take the Texans to beat the Bengals. Wow. Yeah, I don't like you, though. Remember, Charles, last week we all said Tampa Bay. Look what happened with 47 seconds. 
That kid balled out last week, but Cincinnati's defense, he ain't going to put up 40 freaking points on him. I'm telling you that right now. Kings is not playing this week. The Texans this week, the only game that really stands out that could have a big upset. There's not really a game to say that's an upset. The spread and the way the odds are on the Houston Texans, it draws me to take them to cover the spread and to win. You know who I'm taking next week when no, no. Baltimore plays Cincinnati. Get your pick in now for that game so Chaz can put it in this week for next week. Well, I'm wondering if Cincinnati's playing Baltimore on Thursday night, are both of those teams thinking about that game? Because both of these teams are supposed to win, right? They're both basically touchdown favorites, right, at this point. On the Thursday nighter, I'm going all in on Cincinnati. Spread everything. Cincinnati's going to beat Baltimore next week. Next week is an amazing week. And then you got the Monday Nighter with the Eagles and the Chiefs. Then you got the Vikings, Broncos, and the Jets and the Bills. Next week, for sure, I'm going to have a nice big upset. I can guarantee you that. I see the Jets going into Buffalo and beating them. And it's not even going to be close. Really? Remember what I told you? First game of the season. The Bills next week are going to be big favorites against the Jets. That's one of the games of the week next week. The Jets next week, if they win this week, which I believe they're going to win against the Raiders, and they go into Buffalo and they beat Buffalo, they're knocking Buffalo out of the playoffs. The Jets just need a little bit of a quarterback play. You've seen Kansas City struggle to beat them. Okay, last week I had them big to lose. But if you look at all the other games, Buffalo didn't beat them. You saw how the, how the Jets played Buffalo. So everybody's going to say Jets are going to get blown away. It's not going to happen. It is going to be a close game. And that's why they play the games on Sunday. The Jets have a defense. All right, last week it happened. I knew it was going to happen. They let down. They opened it up with a 73-yard punt return. You can't blame your yeah. defense for that. Now, don't get me wrong. If you bet... Would there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? You won with that play, but that and it counts for fantasy. But when you're looking at defensive stats, special teams touchdowns don't count for defense. I think week 11 is the most exciting week of the NFL season. There's going to be at least three big upsets. Thank you for joining us. Always be cash. Always a pleasure, guys. And we'll cash. Have a nice evening. The great and powerful Chaz, as he is so confident. And Mr. Paolo, as always, calm collective, as our Greek specialist always finds a way to win. They were great, Speedy. Yes, and Paolo, betting on NFL, betting on soccer, betting on picks that are even in 2024. Is he going to bet on if you're wearing underwear or not? I hope not. Oh, well, I think he could value that over under on that. Sorry, one. there's no betting odds for well, that. There is a value to it. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the final segment of the week, as we call this Courage Time, here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speeder, Speedy, Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time LA on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Worldwide Sports Radio website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including The Loudmouth with me, 
and Speedy Petey every single Wednesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. All you have to do to check out all our local listings is go to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And ladies and gentlemen, if you miss any one of our shows, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Spotify. Check us out at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Or you can listen to our show, which has its own identity and our own Apple and our own Spotify and our own iHeartRadio. All you have to do to look us up is look up the sports loudmouth. Great show, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Childs was fantastic. Thank you to Paolo, our papoose Paolo, and our wonderful, wonderful survivor himself, Chazzy Moto. It's been great, and we really appreciate all the fans that tune in and listen to us every single weekend after the Islander game because it's been back-to-back-to-back week. But we're happy to be here for all the Islander fans driving home, stuck in traffic, or whatever you're doing. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the final segment of the week. Speedy? Crunch time! It's time for Crunch Time! All right, we'll start at crunch time in the AFC East, but not with the Jets, with the New England Patriots. An interesting rumor that they might fire Bill Belichick during the regular season. Buy or sell, it will happen. Absolutely not. I have no idea what Robert Kraft's son is doing or saying, and I don't understand why Robert Kraft hates Bill Belichick as much as he does. I mean, he has six Super Bowls. He's been fantastic. I don't understand it. Yes, they're, they have a losing record. It looks like they're going to have their first losing record in their history since Bill Belichick has taken over the team. Wah, cry about it. I mean, the Jets have had a million of them. So I absolutely am going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. I don't think it'll, if it happens, I think it'll happen at the end of the season more than anything else. I know there was rumors they're pursuing Mike Vrabel from the Titans, but he's still in Tennessee right now. The Titans are not going to make the playoffs, but they're still contending a lot more than the Patriots are right now. So they're not going to fire him in season either. And both these guys have big contracts too. I think it's going to be very, very hard to do. So I am going to sell it as well. All right, let's go to college football. Michigan got caught, but they're trying to get other teams caught too. Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers. We're broken as well. Buy or sell, one of them will get caught. I'm going to sell it because I don't think the NCAA cares what Jim Harbaugh is going to say because I think they know and we know that Jim Harbaugh is fleeing to the NFL. I, I really don't think that this is a big story. I know the NCAA don't like Jim Harbaugh, and they were trying to get him in trouble for the last couple of years. This is the second time Jim Harbaugh has been caught with something and been suspended for something. So I absolutely am going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I think they should investigate Ohio State, especially if it means them potentially missing the college football playoff too, because if Michigan uh, loses to Ohio State, they're going to probably stay undefeated as well because they already beat Penn State. But you're right. I don't I don't really trust it. The Big Ten was the one that investigated, but it's also the college football playoff that has to completely knock They don't like Jim well. Harbaugh. Yeah, and I, I just don't know if that's going to happen in three weeks before the Big Ten championship game. So I agree with you. I am going to sell that as well. All right, buy or sell. Shohei Otani will end up on a team other than the Dodgers. I'm going to sell that. I, I think he's going to the Dodgers. I think he's staying on the West Coast. I know people have been saying Seattle. I've heard the, the Red Sox. I've heard the Mets. He's not going to the East Coast. He's staying on the West. I am going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it, too. I, we're agreeing a lot tonight, but yeah, the Dodgers just make too much sense. They needed p- starting pitching very badly last year. Especially and a power now. hitter in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, and then, again, they don't need him. They're gonna not going to need him to pitch as much because the Dodgers do fine pitching, but they don't have the top-end pitching they used to with Arias obviously being vi- uh, released with the domestic violence, too, and Walker Bueller just coming back. So I am going to sell that as well. All right, buy or sell the Seahawks. Right now, tie with the 49ers for the NFC West lead. Buy or sell, they will win the NFC West. Oh, I'm going to sell it. There's no way they're going to win it. I love what San Francisco is at full strength. I don't know what Brock Purdy is. I don't think he is a franchise quarterback, but I think he could do enough, and they will win 
all these games that will be close because they're at full strength. So I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. If, if Dallas, and that Seattle-Dallas game was in Seattle, I would probably pick them. I think that's the one game, the one hard game that is the main difference right now because a lot of the schedule is very similar besides that. They both still got to play the Cardinals in their own division. They still have a lot of easy other, other games in the NFC East, but I think that's the one game that will end up separating them. I think they'll split in the regular season. Seattle still make the playoffs, but I'm going to sell it as well. All right, buy or sell. Joel Embiid will still be traded despite the Sixers', Sixers hot start. I'm going to buy it. I really think he's going to be traded. I, I can't see Joel Embiid happy over there right now. I know they have a lot more depth because of the trade. Maxi looks like he's turning into a player, but they don't have championship all over that team. And I think Joel wants to go to a team where he can compete for a championship, even though they're in first place. I think eventually they'll start to tip. I am going to buy that Joel Embiid will be traded. Uh, I'm going to sell that one. I think there's, right now, we heard they were trying to pursue Zach Levine. I do think they're going to try to push for somebody like that, and there's going to be a lot of those guys available. I don't it's think, not going to help him win. I, I didn't say it was going to help him win, but I think I, I can't see Daryl Morey being like that surrendering right now after they got barely anything for James Harden. I know the depth players have helped them so far, but I don't know how sustainable that'll be. I don't I don't trust Daryl Morey to be like that. I think he'll still try to be aggressive. I am going to sell that. All right, we'll go back to college football. The college football playoff will actually ban Michigan, even if they do finish undefeated. I'm going to sell it. No, they're, they're too popular of a team. Their uh, memorabilia, they're all the different jerseys that they sell throughout the country. There's no way the Wolverines, if they're undefeated, or even if they're a borderline one-loss team and they can sneak into the playoffs, they're going to miss out on the playoffs. So I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. Remember, the college football playoff is also a different entity altogether than the Big Ten. The Big Ten was the one that suspended them initially, so I agree. I'm going to sell that as well. All right, buy or sell. Yamamoto will end up either a Met or a Yankee. I'm going to buy it. I, I think both teams are very intrigued on, on the type of player that he could be in the major leagues. Uh, they know what he can do. Some people say that he's going to be a better a prospect than Otani is on the pitching mound. So, And I think both teams are looking for that power pitcher, that pitcher where they don't have to trade any pieces to get. So I absolutely buy it. I'm going to sell it. I don't think the Yankees or the Mets are going to be able to give him a seven-year deal like these rumors have come out for. The Yankees definitely don't like doing that as much, unless it's like a top-end guy. I feel like it's going to be either a team like the Red Sox or a team like the Cubs, another team that likes to swing for pitching because that's their pattern. So I am going to sell that one. All right, buy or sell. Jack Hughes now out for a month, but he's right now third in assists. Buy or sell. He will still be in top ten before – when he returns. No, I'm going to sell it. I, I think his injury could cost him at least a month. I think there's so many good offensive players and so many good passers in the NHL. But when he does come back, he's ex he's explosive, and I think he's going to be fun to watch for the rest of the season, especially that Devils team when they pick up the pace. So I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. So there's a lot of teams in the Western Conference, too, that have a lot of these top offensive teams. Vancouver has two guys in the top five right now. I think they could elevate even more. I think you're definitely seeing Minnesota pick up their game as well. And Colorado, Nathan McKinnon, once he gets going to, I I think there'll be definitely guys there. I'm going to sell it. All right, last one. The Buffalo Bills, out of a playoff spot at the start of the week. They will miss the playoffs. I'm going to sell that. I, there's something that tells me that this Buffalo Bills team will figure things out. They're going to challenge, and they're going to be one of the only teams that are going to be able to challenge Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. They've done it before. I know everybody keeps talking about the Bengals and how hot they're going to be as the season moves forward. I think the Buffalo Bills, their schedule will get easier, and they'll start to win games. So I am going to sell that. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too, only because the AFC North isn't going to have to play each other a lot too. It was like, okay, the front, there were all four teams were in at the start of the week. Well, a lot of those teams haven't played each other yet, so I think they'll end up having to cancel out at some point. I don't know if I trust the Browns or the 
Steelers offense consistently. Now, the Bills defense is concerning. They should have done more at the trade deadline, but I do think the Bills will end up squeaking in. I don't trust them in the playoffs, but I do think they get in. I will sell it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is crunch time for the week. Thank you. To Chris Childs, he was fantastic. For all the fans that didn't listen to the interview, shame on you. Maybe you should go out and find some goat balls. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you to Papoose Paulo and our great friend Moto for joining us and giving us their picks for Moneyline Mania. Listen to this segment. You're going to make money. That's why you should be listening to it. The best handicappers in the country. Chaz brings the best of the best on Every single week. So thank you to Chaz and Paolo for always doing what they do best. And that's give us their time. Thank you to all the fans. Thank you to all of Long Island, New York, and throughout the country that's listening to us on iHeartRadio on the LI News Radio. Thank you to all the fans. Keep listening to us. Go Islanders. And, uh, you know, if you're a Ranger fan. Let's go Ranger. I will there say you it. Go New York. Go New York. Go. And go New York Knicks. Yes. Yes. And hopefully the Mets and the Yankees make some big moves this offseason because they're going to need it. When we come back next week, we'll have some new guests and new content. So tune in every single week on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Good night, everybody.